Am I a bad person or is it just my addiction? Welcome to the Real Talk Recovery Podcast with the Therapy Brothers. We're brothers, we're therapists, and we know recovery. Bring your stories, your questions, your successes with Real Recovery. Good, man. How are you doing? Good. I was just thinking how I, I wish I could live the good life like you. What are you talking about? You're the one who like only works like three hours a day. Where are you going on Wednesday? <laughs> <laughs> we're, yeah, we're, we're actually fortunate. We're going to go to a, we're taking a trip to Hawaii with our family. Man, so. life is rough, man. Life Didn't is, you just yeah. get back from the Wind Rivers <laughs> in Texas? <It's>, and- <laughs> It's, it's summertime. We've had a little bit of traveling lately. It's, it is. We're really fortunate. We got a we got a good life, and we get to take our kids. Every time our one of our kids turns eighteen, we take them on a big vacation. So that's what we're doing for our you. Epitomize one. work hard, play hard. Like you, you live that principle to to the max. <laughs> so I should probably you. I should probably play a little bit more. I think I still work too much. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome, Tyler. So I, I hope you have fun. That's uh, I Thanks. mean. Uh, yeah, you know how I feel about Hawaii. So, yeah, so well, you lived there. You talk about the good life. You lived there for several years. So. I know. And it was yeah. a good life. Yeah. So, well, enough about the good life. Let's dive in with Andrew here. Uh, Andrew, welcome to the show. Hi. Um, thank yeah. you for having the courage to come on. Really appreciate you having, having you here today. Um, if you could just give us a little bit of background, tell us some things that have been going on in your life and your recovery and and uh, give us some context and then ask us any questions that you have. Okay. Um, so I have been married now for be six years in October. Um, we've been together for about eight. Uh, and the entire time I have been dealing with a porn addiction and an addiction to looking at real women in real life. Um, and that all started, I don't even know when, I mean, high school, middle school for, for all of that. And then it just seemed innocent and natural, like growing up. And then, you know, high school, I had some relationships and rejections and all the normal stuff and started some depression then. And starting to feel rejected and alone, even when I was with church friends and, and groups of friends. And, but I never really felt like I totally belonged anywhere, even when I was in a place where I had everyone that, that loved me. And I knew that they loved me. And, you know, my childhood was, was good, you know, after the past few weeks of doing some research and and soul searching, you know, I can pick and choose some events here and there that kind of led to me having an avoidant personality and depression and feeling inadequate and all that. Um, and then in college, the porn use increased, um, had a long distance relationship and then some other relationships here or there, but it never necessarily caused, um, an issue that I knew of. And it, um, it wasn't interfering in the ways as like physical and mental stuff. Uh, after college, I had a relationship with a girl who, 
um, was pregnant when we met with not my child. And I was around for about the whole first year of his life. And that's when I can think that I started using porn to escape and medicate for this fact that we didn't communicate and she and I were not having sex at the time because of her just having the baby. And then, so you fast forward a few years and that was around 21. I met my current wife when I was 25. And at that point I had just moved to a new city, took a huge pay cut, was living with people I used to know um, and was just miserable and lonely. And she was established, had a great career, secure, beautiful, smart, and I was broke and lost and depressed and had had the biggest ego with nothing to really back it up. Mm -hmm. uh, there was like no reserves backing up the dollar. It was just, it was all based on, it was all propped up and fake. And so when we decided to become a little more serious and she actually then friended me on Instagram. And at that point I freaked out and scrubbed my Instagram of all the other women and everything else that I was looking at. We got in a huge fight and broke up where she realized I was texting somebody else. It seemed like I was going to go cheat on her. And then we broke up and a few days later, we, we worked it out and got back together. And then I ended up moving in because I got kicked out of where I was living, not due to this, but just because of, of other issues. It was my boss's house and it just wasn't working. Um, so then she knew about my porn use at the time and it wasn't necessarily a huge issue. We both watched porn and it was okay. But then it started to creep into me um, ignoring her physically and sexually and me because of all of my emotional issues and negative self-image and, and insecurities, I would avoid having sex with her and avoid being intimate with her or just close and vulnerable because I just felt terrible. So then eventually it got to the point where I started having difficulty getting, maintaining, keeping erections. Uh, and so we realize that, okay, well, this is, she realized like, this is an issue. This is me watching porn. And then, um, we tried a few different options for me to stop or me only use it when she wasn't, um, going to be home as opposed to an almost daily use. And eventually it got to the point where it's like, I have to stop. I have to stop altogether. And that was around the time we got engaged. Um, and so since 2016, I haven't watched porn videos or acted out, but I have been hiding and lying that for the better part of six, seven years now, I've still been looking at other women inappropriately in public. I've been lying about that in the past. And then on and off looking at the... Uh, Victoria's Secret magazines that she would get in the mail, but I would put it back in the mailbox and pretend I never checked the mail. 
um, scrolling through Netflix titles just to see something that was uh, revealing or promiscuous. And, and then about two years ago, ago um, right around when we were, so this was 2020, we were selling a house, moving into a one bedroom apartment with our son and three dogs while we're building the new house, COVID, and then she got pregnant and she works at a hospital. So she was going into, co- into um, work at the hospital while pregnant during Delta and height of COVID. And all of that, that's when I started to go on my phone to look at what I'm now realizing was, was porn, but it was news articles of celebrities in bikinis and lingerie and their posts and everything that goes along with that. And so over the past six years, and so that had gotten worse and worse um, over the past two years. And the whole time my wife was being triggered from her PTSD from the first time around of, of my porn, porn use and hiding that. And I would argue and yell and get so mad at her for asking if I was using porn and watching porn or were doing anything that we had both decided and agreed upon was not appropriate for our marriage. And I would just get so defensive and so angry and yell so much when she knew something was going on. Um, and then about two weeks ago, so I guess it's 15 days ago, uh, she had me listen to your guys's podcast about, I think it was, why are we afraid of our sexuality or something along those lines? Um, and she texted me and said, if there's anything that you need me to know, let me know so I can brace myself for a disclosure. And something about her sending that that way just that night I started telling her now it came out over a whole week. So it wasn't just this snowball or there wasn't just this like tidal wave. It was this, um, I don't remember what it's called, but it's, it's the death by a thousand cuts, just that trickle over the past week. Um, and so now it's been about 15 days since I've been listening to roughly or two podcasts today from, from you guys or a different source um, and doing a Bible Bible study to, uh, to 30 day porn addiction study. And I'm looking for a support group and I'm starting therapy on Wednesday. Uh, like here, here's the kicker. This is what makes me think that I'm just a bad person. The whole time, the past three years, I had been going to therapy to treat my anxiety for my erectile dysfunction during sex and never once mentioned anything to my therapist that I was continuing and starting to use porn again. So I hid and lied to my therapist and my wife, the fact of what was happening and most likely prolonging all of my issues. So it's been a, our whole marriage has been pretty much just a giant, uh, giant lie and gaslighting episode. Okay. So, and, and in, in all of that, the common theme that you've come to the conclusion of, at least right now is, is that the only common denominator is, is that you suck as a person as a result. 
Yeah, I'm going back and forth right now, but it, it's when it swings that way, it uh, there's a lot of what I feel like is evidence to back that up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it makes sense. Our brains could probably find evidence for for that in your story. Our brains could probably find evidence for something else in your story too, depending on where you wanted to put the focus in your brain. But it makes sense. You know, it makes sense that you're feeling a little bit, sounds like you got anxiety, you got some depression, you've got a lot of shame, it sounds like inside of you. And when those things are all meshing themselves together, it's pretty easy to come to the conclusion that you do on the on the negative side. Uh, can I ask further question about that? Andrew, where and why are you a piece of crap husband? Like how have you failed as a husband? Um, my wife pretty much asked me for one thing, our whole marriage. She doesn't really ask him for a whole lot. She doesn't ask me to make more money. She asked me to be honest with her and not sexualize other women. And that's pretty much all that she has asked is just to be honest and to not look at porn, not sexualize other women and not choose them over my relationship and my commitment to her. Okay. What, what does that mean? Like what do you not sexualize other women? Um, I understand the not looking at porn. Um, but what does that mean being honest with her and not sexualizing other women? What does that look like? To me, it's not going to the playground with my son and then looking at other moms and being like, oh man, they're really hot. Or when we, if I go out to the store and a woman is wearing a crop top and short shorts, like not thinking about her being hot, not thinking about her being sexy and walking down the aisle, seeing it, and then averting my gaze out of respect for my addiction, respect for my wife, knowing that someone is there, but not, not treating them differently because of how they look or because of what they're wearing, like understanding what they are and who they are, but not giving it more attention than I would give to a guy with large muscles that I might envy or my mom or someone else. And to me, I just feel like that's a sign of respect to my wife is to, especially with my history is to not sexualize a woman for my own personal dopamine spike, my own personal benefit. Why can't you, why, I mean, why can't you look at a, a beautiful woman and just look at her like a, a man with big muscles or like you're looking at your mother? I feel like I have not been able to establish a limit on myself like that. And I haven't had, so for me, it, it feels like it's been this almost voyeuristic as opposed to just acknowledgement. Like okay. I can look at, I can look at my kids and say, they're really cute. And I can look at somebody else's kids and say, those are cute kids. But when it comes to when it comes to other women, it pretty much has always been looking at it's been an objectification. So, so, yeah, but that's Brandon's question, Andrew, is why? Like, why is that taking place? Um, I feel like it's kind of what's always 
what's always happened. And I don't know if it's uh, similar to why I used porn because I felt less than I felt rejected. I felt um, like if I just look at another woman, then I'm not going to have to give anything of myself. And I feel like I have nothing that's worth giving so I can receive something but not have to put myself out there to actually get anything or to give anything and risk anything. I think this, this is where it gets all screwed up a little bit. And Andrew, I'm, I'm hearing some, I'm wondering about some past trauma that you've had or something, but I'm hearing some anxiety and trying to be perfect and trying to be good enough for, for your wife and, and, and constant self-rejection going on. And, what happens is um, you try to apply more self-rejection to be better and it actually sends you down the road of, of disconnecting from your wife more, disconnecting from God more. But this is, I'm going to say something and it, it's triggering and hard and difficult for a lot of people to understand and a lot of people to grasp. Um, but the pathway to freedom is through acceptance and through integrity. Okay. Integrity is about being whole. It's about owning who you are and staying in form with who you are. Andrew as a son of God is built as a sexual being who's attracted to women. Okay. Andrew as a son of God has attraction in him, sexual attraction. Okay. Now you've taken that and you've run with it and you have objectified women and you've used women for your selfish needs, right? When you go to the park and you see a hot mom, are you doing that? Are is that just attraction? Is it, so 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 what I'm what I'm trying to get to is your your recovery starts with you accepting yourself wholly and accepting your sexuality. Okay? Um and for your wife to also understand like, hey, that's part of who he is. And I know that he can bridle those passions, that he can manage those things. But we're not going to try to reject that sexuality in order for him to be okay and good enough in our marriage, right? And so that's one of the areas which we are trying to navigate differently this time around, as opposed to squashing everything down and pretending that it's not there or forcing yes. it out, uh, which I think we try, I tried, we tried the first time is don't even look at another woman. Don't even think about it. It's understanding through listening to your podcast, that there will be some urges, there will be some things, but being honest about, Hey, this is what I'm feeling, recognizing what I'm feeling and then not acting on anything that would be, what I consider inappropriate or, or acting out. Can you, can you be perfectly okay with the fact that you have the, that attraction and not act on it at the same time? Can both of those things coexist? Like, like, like if I go to the park and I see a beautiful mom at the park and I'm like, wow, she's beautiful. I'm sexually attracted to her. I definitely notice how beautiful she is in a sexual way. And I'm going to stay faithful to my wife. I'm not going to lust. I'm not going to run in the bathroom and masturbate right now. 
um, I'm noticing my sexuality. My sexuality is so good. It's so such a part of who I am. And wow, look how I automatically have that attraction to to women and to that woman. And I choose to be in a faithful relationship with my wife. So therefore, I'm going to accept that, but not act on it. Can that co can can that coexist? It makes me feel anxious and uncomfortable to think that that would be how it would be. Um, right. Sure. I can accept that. I would have some urge or, or, or um, notice a woman is in a bikini if we're at the beach, but it makes me feel uncomfortable knowing that I would, it makes me uncomfortable knowing, okay, that woman is, is any, any list of adject, adjective describing words. Cause to me, it feels like, while I know I'm a sexual being and, and sex from God is good, it feels to me like as someone who is especially not in any form of real recovery right now, I'm just starting with this. To me, it feels like if I look at a woman and see that she's wearing something revealing or that she is hot, then that's like taking a sip of alcohol, but being like, I'm going to stop with just one. Yeah. So it is very scary and very. The problem is that the problem though, Andrew, is this is different than alcohol. What, what's the difference? I mean, I understand that it's not necessarily a substance that I could just like stop using. Like women are all around in the world. Um, I just, I feel like I'm not at that place right that's, now. That's what I, I'm hearing. I hear you too. I hear that. Tyler, do you have yeah. a comment? No, yeah. I was just saying, I, I don't want to detract you from where you're going, Brandon, because I want to go a little bit of a different direction that's still going to the same place I think you're going, but I don't want to cut in if you want to keep. No, I mean, I, I just, I'm, I am illustrating a point with this conversation I'm having with you, Andrew, which is, it, you know, it really is a dialectic that's hard for people to to grasp both sides of. And so when I say it's okay to have sexual attraction to other people other than your spouse, I've gotten more hate mail about that comment that I say than anything um, that, that I ever say. Um, but what, I'm, what, I'm, what, what I know is that when we are honest and we accept our sexuality and, and what's going on inside of us, that's when we have real power to step into being in control. When it we opens up choice. Yeah, it opens up choice and, and consciousness and clarity. It actually... It, it's this backwards thing of, I'm going to white knuckle my way to sobriety till eventually I crash and burn and then I'm at the strip club again, right? Or I'm just like totally... And, and so... You notice your sexuality, you notice the, and, 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 but the beautiful thing, wow, there's my sexuality. Interesting. Why am I attracted to her? Huh? What does that mean about me? Okay. On with my day. Um, and, and I'm going to choose not to lust here. Right. And so if how long, Andrew, have you been hiding something about who you are as a sexual being? From what age? Uh, 
I don't know, probably 20-ish years, something like that. Since like well, a long school. time, huh? Yeah. Yeah. yeah you so, learned so, to hide a long time ago. Set your sexuality has been just just hanging out with shame for for most of your life. So so it's hard to be able to say, hang on here, like I I, I associate sex and shame in the same thing, and and secrecy comes as a result of that. So how do I not put shame to my sexuality, accept it, and live a life of transparency. It's a much different system that can actually build trust in a healthy relationship where the system of fear and control and trying to force yourself will never get you guys there in terms of safety and trust in your relationship. Um, so, all right, Tyler, now I'm curious about... This is, no, this is going right into where I would want to go with you. Maybe just do a little exercise with you here, Andrew, along with what Brandon's saying. It's it's targeted at the same place. Is it okay if I ask you a few questions? Yeah. Yeah. So, so this part of you that hides, this part of you that looks at porn and objectifies other women, and when you look at that part of you, how do you see it? How do you feel about it? Uh, shocked and kind of disgusted. Like, I just, it feels like a different part of me. I mean, yeah. not in a split personality or dissociative way, but it just sure. feels like it's not, it's not who I am a hundred percent of the time, but for the past seven years, I mean, daily, that part of me has been a huge factor in, in my life and in my marriage. And so. If you, it's, that's beautiful, man. And it's okay. Like you're not split personality. This, this is going right where I want to go with it for a second. Okay. So let's just take a look at that part that you're shocked and disgusted by. And if you were to like actually approach that part with real curiosity and ask it, you know, what purpose it's serving for you and what it might want you to know, what comes up for you? I'm afraid to know the answer and find out the answer. I You're feel afraid. like I get this pit in my stomach of just like, I don't want to step close enough to find out what it says about. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, that's not necessarily what it says about you wholly. We're just looking at the part and asking it some questions. Could you ask it? Could you maybe ask it if you, how old it feels? How old is that part of you? Probably about 20 years old, or I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It, um, I guess, I don't know exactly how to answer that because I feel like that part started 20 years ago. Started 20 years ago. Okay. And it's, it's like a, you know, it, it's been, it's grown for 20 years. Yeah. But looking back, it feels like it is a, 
underdeveloped teenager who is pretending to be a grown up but doesn't oh man yeah beautiful that's that's so awesome man could you go to that part as an underdeveloped teenager who sounds like it feels confused feels scared if you were to look at like the time in your life when maybe you were around that age was there anything significant going on in your life that may have been pretty emotional or traumatic or anything (laughs) yeah um around that time i guess it was 13 ish so um it was after freshman year my parents wanted to move to florida from maryland so we sold the house we moved to florida i had said goodbye to all my friends i had just gotten established in church and then i got really depressed Mm. and two months later we moved back to Maryland because I was so depressed. And for the next two years, my parents split. One lived in Florida. One They were still married, but they split their time depending on who was living down in Florida and who was living in Maryland or where they were working. Um, and so it was like for a little while, I was living with just my mom. And then I was living with my mom and my dad. And then I was living with my dad and then living with both of them. And then that was pretty much most of through high school. And then my dad came back um, and started working full-time again in in Maryland, I think. And then it all just kind of got hectic again. Um, Sounds like it was a pretty chaotic time in your life. Not a lot of stability, maybe feeling responsible for your parents moving back and forth. And my brother went to college that same summer. Mm. So there was a lot of big change loss. And so, and so this part that you feel shocked and disgusted by sounds like it kind of started for you, started doing what it was doing, looking at porn and women and things around that same time. Um, I think it got more habitual and stronger after that. Um, What was it doing for you? Like, what was it doing? it made me feel a little bit better without having yeah. to do anything. Mm. It knew what it was doing. It was trying to help you cope. It was, it was allowing you to have some medicine in the midst of a pretty chaotic crisis situation. What's, what's the emotion that's coming up inside of you right now, Andrew? What are and you feeling? Tyler, Tyler, I want to add to maybe a little bit of control like a little bit of control through that whole tumultuous time. You know, you had that thing you could go to and feel some comfort. Right. Yeah. I mean, I know I, I, uh, I'll be the first to admit I don't like feeling out of control. Um, I I'm, I'm good with like, I don't want something super rigid and super structured, but I also like to have a plan and this so I don't like being controlled and I don't like being out of control. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel, I don't know. I, I feel sad and I feel, um, yeah. Yeah. I just, I, I feel sad. I when get. you, when you, okay. When you look at the part that we're talking about now, this 20 year old part, I mean, a young teenage part that's 20 years old, now 
Um, do you still see it with eyes of disgust and shock or do you see it in a different light or could you ask it what it needs from you? I mean, there's, um, and there's some sadness for it and there's, I don't know if pity is the right word, but I just regret and, um, I guess some understanding, like a few years ago, I reread, um, John Eldridge's Wild at Heart book. Yeah. And the, the second one, um, and it always resonated with me that I always, the part that I always felt lacked or stuck in is that I never felt initiated into manhood. And I feel like I had that I think what was the second stage I think I had. And then that third stage where I was really supposed to grow as the warrior. That's where I feel like I just went down this path and never found myself, never grew up. And I'm just this perpetual adolescence. Hmm. Yeah, man. Okay. So Brandon, you can jump in whenever you want, but I just want to maybe get to one more point here. Andrew, with where I think we're going is, is that we started this session with you hating this part of yourself. And now you can see with eyes of compassion and sadness, you said pity that this part of you was actually trying to serve a purpose for you. And it did a pretty dang good job back then. And that it, it you were never, it's caused some problems in your life. It's maybe been in the little bit too much as you grow even gratitude for what it's tried to do for you in your life. And, and if it goes back to the original question, am I just a bad person or do I have an addiction? How do you feel towards this part? Do you still see yourself as a bad person or was it doing its best? I mean, I feel like it did its best at some point, but the past few years, I mean, I feel, and I know should statements are not helpful, but I feel like at some point over seven years when my wife was constantly asking me, is anything going on? What's happening? Are you okay? At any point during therapy, I had plenty of opportunities to ask for help and to come clean. And, and I just, I just didn't, I feel like I was in, over things that I actually care about. And so I understand, I just, I'm confused because yeah. it's, it seems like it has been controlling for so long and it was my choice. And I'm, I want to own up to my choices. I just. Yeah. So, so that's the hard part. This is more middle that middle ground there is, is that yes, you did make those choices you could spend more time with that other part of yourself that made those choices. And I bet you could find compassion for it. And you could answer the question, huh, I wonder why I did that. And there's probably actually a pretty good answer. And it doesn't necessarily take you off the hook from having made the decision and needing to make new decisions in the future, but you can do it with eyes of compassion and trust for yourself instead of judgment that then sends you right back into the same place Brennan was talking about. 
Yeah. I, I mean, I'm hearing on one hand, I'm just a piece of crap who can't do it right, who's, who's broken and not okay. On the other hand, I want to be perfect and want to have like, like, like do everything my wife wants in order for her to be happy so that I can be good enough. Right. And then, and then there's also this kind of sexual anorexia and this push away from vulnerability going on. And, um, but Andrew, here's, here's the thing. Tyler is starting to get into this with you. The answer, the answer to what is real recovery, um, the answer to how do you find peace? How do you not be controlled by this? Is, is found through your wounds. All right. So, so you, you just said it with wild at heart, like the initiation process, I only got so far and then I felt like I just went back to kind of being weak. Eldridge says, you know, every, every man's question is, do I have what it takes? And what I'm hearing and feeling from you is a man who does not believe that you have what it takes. And so we got to go into those wounds you got to face some threshold guardians. You got to, you got to look some beasts in the eye and you got to step into the, into the caves that you fear to enter. And that's where you'll know, you'll find out that you absolutely have what it takes, but it requires you to, to stop running from all the fear, to stop avoiding the fear. And it requires you to, to actually face those things. So am I making any sense? Yes. You know, and I guess, you know, I, I know, you know, right now sitting here relatively calm, I know what I need to do and I feel much different this time around than previous. Cause I think I, I actually want to really put in some work. I want to try and change. And after disclosing things to my wife, and then I went to confession because um, I was raised Catholic. And so I felt lighter because it was like, okay, now I feel like almost fresh start of, I can start honesty and trying to rebuild things. So, uh, so looking at all the things that were scary and trying to face them down. Um, I'm just not sure what those are yet. And I think that's where I feel that little bit of lack of control of, I don't, I don't know exactly where I'm going um, one, one of your scariest things might be looking at the, that you are absolutely good and that you are absolutely lovable and that you are the man when you've it comes never, to that's never changed. It's yeah. always been there. I was going to ask you, Tyler, I want to, I want to ask you Tyler for a second. You've, you, you know, you talked to Andrew here for a little over half an hour. Is it, is he a good man? Is he a bad man? Because he's, <laughs> he's questioning like, maybe I'm, this is just who I am. Right. Like, yeah. What do you right? We're all cap we're all capable of doing horrible things because we're human and at the core we're all good. Everybody is doing the best they can with what they have to work with, and we can all do better. And that's a simple truth. And you know, Andrew, as you're talking, you know, we're talking about this John Eldridge stuff and what Brandon was saying about entering in through the wounds, and I don't know what to do, and I don't know how to get that, and I don't know how to get initiation. Eldridge says that part of how the initiation happens is, is that when you enter into your wounds. God will father you and he will father you sometimes through other men. And it may not be a coincidence depending on how you choose to look at it. And I know some of our listeners are going to think this is hogwash, but you think it's a coincidence that you chose to come on the show today with courage to speak what you just spoke 
to show your face, to show your face, to step into that cave Brandon's talking about and to actually have a conversation and to have two men here that are looking at you and saying, open your heart because it's always been there. There are no secret ingredients like Panda, you know, Kung Fu Panda, like you already have it built into you, man. Like you have what it takes. You're doing it right now. You're practicing vulnerability. You're allowing somebody to love you in your current state. Like you're doing the work right now. Yep. This is it. And uh, Andrew, we got to wrap up. Word of caution. Do not, I, I say, enter into the wounds to, to really know. Do not turn to your wife to try to get your masculinity. Do not turn to her to try to get your self-worth. That's not her job. Her job is not to give you your self-worth and your okayness. You get that from God. And then you, you, you take to her your strength and your masculinity. And that's how you create connection with her. Okay. Am I making sense? Yeah. And I think that was for a long time. I got my masculinity and self-worth from other women and, and, and that. And so that was definitely one of my, um, negative decisions, negative. Let me, let me give you an example. It's like what you did two weeks ago where it's like, man, I need my wife to love me to think I'm good. She's so much better than I am. So I'm going to hide everything because I don't want her to think that I'm bad. Okay. A man who has his, his question answered, who has strength can, can sit in her discomfort and stay honest and stay open and allow her to, to be uncomfortable, even to the feeling of like, she doesn't like me right now. That's okay. She cannot like me right now because what's more important is my integrity, my connection to God and my relationship there. So I'm going to make sure that's intact and I'm going to empathize and give love to her, but I don't need to get self-worth from her. So she can be in pain. That's okay. Right? So that's that's how it looks differently. A man who is very codependent and, and consuming and using his wife is trying to figure out who he is as a man by getting her to tell him who he is. And it's very different. So can I give right, you one can, more we, challenge? Go ahead, Tyler. I'll go ahead, Ryan, if you want to finish your thought. I was just right, kidding, no, all I was going to say is we could go on and on with this. I think yeah, we could. Andrew, you're hitting right on the things that me and Tyler love, we love to talk this. about. So. Go ahead, Tyler. Yeah. I, I just want you said something. This is a challenge, kind of a parting challenge for you. And we, again, you had a lot of questions. We've only scratched the surface. So hopefully we get to hear from you again, Andrew. But as you go through your process, you said you found evidence for 20 years that you suck. And I could find evidence right now that you're courageous and that you're strong and you're valuable. And if you had the eyes to see it, you could see that just as easily as that you suck. You're here speaking something that's hard to talk about. You're confronting your fears. You're going to treatment. You're being humble. You're trying to take a look at yourself from the inside out. You're willing to like step in and want to love your wife. Like listen you're to what fight, you said. Fighting for your family. You, I mean, I'm getting emotional. Think about it. You're fighting for your family. You want to be able to be in a spot where you can love and respect and cherish your wife. And you're working towards those things. Like where's, how come that evidence doesn't pile up as like, hey man, like, I'm a good dude who's got some problems and I'm working on it because that's what I see. That's the evidence that's in front of me. And it's in front of you too, if you have the eyes to see it. Yeah. So take a look at yourself in the mirror every day, 
Look yourself in the eye and ask yourself, how is it possible that I am just an amazing, lovable person, a force for good, a warrior, whatever you want to say, and sit and wait for the answer because the evidence is already there. Andrew, man, uh, man, I'd love to have you out to one of our retreats. I think we've sold out. Uh, we're pretty much full in September, but we we, yeah. we could get a spot for you if you wanted one. So um, we work on all of this stuff that we've talked about today. That's what, what we do at those retreats. So, um, hey, thank you for coming on, Andrew. Appreciate well, it. Thanks. So I'd love to, I'd love to be able to go. Like I feel when I used to do retreats with church, it was like this huge life altering thing. And I know, I feel like I need some, I don't want to say like restart some experience, but just, you know, my body, when I feel stressed, craves nature, craves action. And like, we, we went for a walk this morning by the river and it was like, okay, I just actually feel some peace now. So it's, so yeah, I, I love all that kind of stuff. Just getting out there and like, just kind of getting after it. Yeah. Feeling God's love. Yeah. yeah. Well, we would love to have you if there's any way you could make that happen. Um, yeah. I know it's tight notice and we are pretty tight. There's just a couple spots left. So um, yeah, Andrew, thank you for coming on, man. We ho- hope to hear from you again in the future. Yeah. Thanks for having me. All right, you guys have a good one. We'll see you later.